and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about how the greasy sausage of reality television gets made so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Wig, The Bitch, and The Meltdown by Jay Manuel. Joining us to discuss this America's Next Top Model AU fanfiction is Mackenzie Lee, a 30 under 30 media luminary whose bio failed to recognize her as an America's Next Top Model top fan. Hello. Welcome, Mackenzie. Mackenzie's also, I mean, I guess media luminary covers it, but like a legit bestselling author and returning worst bestsellers guest. Yes. And uh, Instagram model. uh two of those are true but thank you (laughs) how how about this uh pet mother to an instagram model Mm. yeah that seems more accurate (laughs) um so last time i was here we read erin barotica yes and this time we read this and i'm not sure which i was more uncomfortable (laughs) made more uncomfortable by I Which will is say, saying a lot. Yeah, either way, your niche is this kind of like real person fan fiction in it a way. It really is. Which honestly is kind of like also what I write, so it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, this book. Okay, so, so if you don't know, I want to. I would like to apologize first of all because I, as soon as this book got announced. I immediately, I think I texted Kate or maybe emailed you both and was like, you have to do this on Worst Bestsellers and I have to be your guest. (laughs) Thinking this was going to be a fun, ridiculous read in the same vein as Model Land. And you should know that I... I treasure your your episode of Model on Model Land with uh, Margaret H. Willison because it is it was my introduction to the to your podcast and also it's just like one of my favorite podcast episodes ever. So I was like, what a fun follow-up I'm going to create for them (laughs) and instead every page of this I just sank further and further into self-loathing feeling like (laughs) what have I done to these poor people no 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 no. well first of all this is much shorter than model and so whatever else it has that going for it true um this book was less fun than I dreamed that it would be but more fun than a lot of the shit we read for this book Okay. Yeah, I would say I probably if we had read this any other time, probably I would have found it more enjoyable. But as I have spoken to death about both on this podcast and in the newsletter, I am having a lot of difficulty with making my brain work in quarantine. So it was just like a lot of reading where my brain was like, we can read five pages, and then we need you to stare at the wall for 10 minutes. So it just took a long time. I mean, in defense of your brain, I think that was more the book's fault. Because you <laughs> say this is shorter than Model Land, and yet there are so many words in this book. <laughs> and I don't know how to describe that unless people have – like, don't read – I would not advise anyone to read the book. But there are – he takes so many words to say nothing. To say nothing. He also, speaking of words though, I do want to talk about. So, Jay Manuel, if you have watched reality TV, like, you know, he's not as famous as Tyra Banks, but he's like pretty well known from his work on America's Next Top Model and other kinds of like fashion reporting or like whatever. But this book, when I opened it, just the look of it, I was like, this feels self published. Oh, and it's then I looked it is. Yeah, so it's published by Wordy with 3 E's, which is like a pay to publish kind of packaging deal. 
And that's wild because I feel like anybody on any reality television show can get a book deal. Like shit we've read for this podcast will attest to that. So did he, was he unable to get one or did he not want one because they knew they would not let him do this? I have to imagine he was not able to get one because I had the exact same thought process when he announced this. And I've been following this book since its inception. I watched all of his like live chats he did with former contestants to lead up to this. I've been obsessed with this book. I was so excited for it to come out and then let down so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, when he announced it, I remember like texting a friend of mine who's also an ANTM super fan and saying, like, why is he not, did he not, did he, does he not have a good agent? Like, why is he not going through a legit publisher? And after reading this, I have to imagine he could not, he could not get a book deal, whether or not he tried to submit this. Right. And, and like both for quality and then for legal issues, I feel like. Yes. I think that was also probably a concern. Because he keeps saying, and I read a bunch of interviews and stuff with him, where he's like, it's satire, it's a dark satire, and it's it's nothing at all like Next Top Model, but it's exactly like Next Top Model, except with, like, 17 extremely bonkers things that are are so shocking and would be so horrible if they were even remotely true. But right. a lot of them I don't, and we'll get into that in a minute, a lot of them I don't feel like are based in reality, That's the problem with this book is that it is so obviously based on this like show that he worked on, the show he is most well known for worked on. There's clearly he, I don't think he's really like tried to be coy about the fact that the main character is, is based on Tyra Banks and there's sort of direct, uh, direct, not what's the word, uh, parallels and like the yeah. names the names are like all clearly linked. The judging panel is like a, a plastic surgery victim supermodel and a gender non-conforming runway coach and a British photographer who's vaguely creepy, which is exactly what the judging panel in early ANTM is. And so there's so many like direct parallels that it's hard to that, but then there are so there's direct parallels, but then there are also scenes where like Tyra has a girl's head Tyra, Keisha who is the mm-hmm. Tyra stand-in. When I was taking notes, I constantly was typing Tyra and then like delete, delete Keisha. <laughs> well, there's like a, there, you have both a scene where she has a girl's head shaved and then makes a wig out of that girl's hair and wears it in front of her. And then when it flies off, the girl like puts her own hair wig back on, <laughs> which is so absurd. But then there's also like a scene where the Jay Manuel character gets sexually assaulted by the clearly the Nigel Barker character and it's like oh god which what if this is like which of this is real it's so uncomfortable I don't like it yes because there's things that you can like clearly recognize and then these things were I mean I did a deep dive of googling of like Jay Manuel plus Nigel Barker like like and I couldn't find anything they're still following each other on Instagram I checked that last night which I'm shocked any of the people referenced in this book are well, still speaking to Jamie. <laughs> right. Well, because so before I read this book, I'd heard, um, I think on the who weekly gossip podcast that Tyra was furious about the book and was turning everyone against Jay. And that like miss Jay would no longer speak to Mr. Jay because Tyra told miss Jay not to. But then I read this book and I'm like, 
the Miss J character in this book is a monster. And if Miss J read even like one chapter of this, I would not speak to someone who wrote a character who was so clearly based on me, yet also so clearly like a nightmare monster person. That is exactly what I thought. Because so when when the book was like in countdown to release, Jay was doing every week, he was doing a like a chat with Miss J where they would get on his Instagram live and they would go through season by season and like talk about the I mean they said they were spilling behind the scenes tea but it wasn't it was not very hot tea Um, (laughs) the the best revelation that came out of it was that uh in the third season the girls were detained at the Tokyo airport because uh the Japanese government thought they were prostitutes being imported (laughs) into uh, Japan that was my favorite fact that came out of it anyway so there were like there were they did this for five seasons and or five cycles excuse me we have to use cycles because that's what they use Mm -hmm. on ANTM and they were going to hypothetically they said they were going to go through the whole show's history and then out of nowhere miss j just like bailed on it and wasn't doing it anymore and i have i have a theory that he got sent his advanced copy of the book and Mm -hmm. started reading it and was like "Uh uh-uh never never again it's so bad (laughs) no longer helping to promote a book that makes me look like a full-on monster Okay, so maybe, so this is sort of our intro to the concept of it. Maybe we could start kind of going through, in more or less linear fashion, the plot. With with big air quotes around the word plot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like we didn't, so, we did, I don't think we ever came out and actually said that, like, this book is a story about a young man who... It works in the fashion industry and becomes friends with a supermodel who the two of them come up with an idea for a modeling reality TV show. And he very quickly learns that she is not really his friend. She is just using him. And it follows him and his career very closely as they work on this show and their quote unquote friendship falls apart, which yeah. is obviously as we were discuss- discussing, it, it is, it is absolutely like, theoretically the true life of Jay Manuel and Tyra Banks and America's Next Top Model. But America's Tech Next Top Model does exist in this universe. Yes. Okay, so this is a shit. I lost my mind yes. when they referenced America's Next Top Model as also being like as a comp for their show, which is called Model Muse. And also this book starts in 2019, if I'm not mistaken, and then moves about five years forward which means that this is technically a book set in the future. Oh yes. This book is this book is science fiction. Oh my yes. God. Yes, because he wants to make all of the like current references like, but he's also making older references. Like I kind of was keeping a little timeline. I think before it was revealed that Next Top Model also exists in this universe, I was keeping note of the weird references he would make because okay, Next Top Model debuted in 2003 and but then sometimes it seems like this book is set earlier because sometimes they react to stuff like Siri as if it's kind of new. But if this is 2019, it's just all over. I think just like anytime he thought of like a funny kind of pop culture or tech reference, he's like, I'll put that in. Who cares? But also it should be noted that Jay, Jay Manuel is a man in his 40s. So his like pop culture and tech references have a little bit of a... Uh, um, the the sort of feeling of when your when your mother is like wowed by Siri. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. So um so J- the J Manuel character is named Pablo Michaels and the the Tyra character is Keisha Cash with a K, 
which is also confusing because as we know in this world keeping up with the kardashians also exists so like kk is already this famous initials and then we also have keisha cash that's fine though um well, so they, they meet at this Michael Kors show. And one thing that comes up early on that I think runs throughout the book and is kind of gross is that um, at this Michael Kors fashion show, Pablo overhears some other models calling Keisha fat and he defends her and is like, no, her booty is great. And and we know that that's a thing of Tyra, that she is always sort of weirdly advocating for plus size models in a way that is still sort of fat shamey and gross, but is maybe better than like what Janice Dickinson is up to, for example. Uh, wait, uh, before, before we get into the book, can we uh, start with the epigraph that begins the book? Oh, please. Oh my God. please which is a quote from the author, Jay Manuel, which is not what an epigraph typically is, <laughs> is for. I also can't find any proof that this uh, quote is, something he said before it seems like he just wrote an epigraph for his own book <laughs> mm-hmm. which introduces us to one of the more nonsense concepts of the book which is uh random capitalization and italics yes uh, both of which are present in the epigraph but generally epigraphs are, are quotes selected from other works that inform sort of your theme or or your or correspond with your book in some way And this is, I will say, this is the second time I have seen an author quote themselves in an epigraph, though the other, and the other one is like a real published young adult book, though they, they hit it a little bit better. Uh, Mm -hmm. He just comes right out and is like, my, my epigraph that sums up the themes of my book is a quote by me that isn't actually a quote, which leads me uh, back to your, your Model Land episode, where I believe Margaret Willison said, uh, Tyra Banks is Tyra Banks' greatest inspiration. Yes. I believe Jay Manuel is also Jay Manuel's greatest inspiration, <laughs> as we see evidenced multiple times throughout this book. Starting, I just needed to point out that was the 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 epigraph is a quote from the author. Well, yes, and also throughout this book, yes, the random capitalization. I feel like his philosophy is like, when in doubt, yes, it's a proper noun. Like supermodel is a proper noun. Sheeta, the animal, is a proper noun. Um, I I have a question for you guys. You guys are the print version, correct? Yes. Yes. Is the random italicized? Is it broken in places? The random italics because it's broken in the ebook in places where, like, if the first word of a sentence is italicized, the whole rest of the sentence is also italicized. Oh. And that happens several times, and it took me a minute to like put together that that was what was happening was that the first word had been italicized and then they hadn't fixed the rest of the sentence no i mean he's an italics heavy writer for sure but i didn't notice like that it's just like on average like one word per sentence is italics however i'm not shocked to hear that there was a a lack of proofreading and editing done on the the kindle version of this book there's also excessive commas in this book and I'm a writer who is not I'm not a I'm not a grammar snob I need a copy editor I need somebody to go through and and mark where I've used too many or too few commas Um, and yet I found myself just starting to casually copy edit this book as I was reading it because there are (laughs) so many commas in this book 
so many commas. It's also littered with quotes from other people besides himself. Like, I do feel like he just had a tab open of brainyquote.com when he was reading this <laughs> or like when he was writing it. And just anytime he was in doubt, he just sort of copy pasted something in. Um, he wild. also definitely had some kind of um, thesaurus open. Yes. And yes. would pick like his favorite six words that all mean the same thing and then pop them all in to describe to like put in front of usually the word supermodel yeah is okay it's badly it's badly written and um but so it it starts like we said it's at pablo's at this michael court show he hears these other models um shitting on keisha for being too fat and he defends her and it turns out in a weird pov switch at the beginning of this chapter keisha had run out of this um show like very upset and was hiding in the alley and her overheard all of this um while looking for her driver who her incompetent assistant was unable to get to come pick her up so instead she called her an uber it's a whole thing where she's just really mean to basically everyone everyone also foreshadowing she's hiding behind catering racks because she's such a fat fat grosso who can't stop eating yes right so this book it it really wants to go both ways where it's like body positive like we love a plus size model but also they're all gross and they keep eating gross food and just the amounts of food that Keisha is eating they they are implausible amounts of food for a human to eat without becoming like seriously ill and he never talks about her I guess we should do content warning for whatever for fat shaming for sexual assault yeah yeah this has got there's homophobia there's transphobia there's weird racism in this weird racism like yeah the kind where you have to like look up a word and be like wait what (laughs) like yeah what um so but so anyway it's mean about her body in a way that is just weirdly done where it's like she would go and eat like three whole racks of ribs and like i i don't I, of course, I'm not going to shame anyone for how much they eat, but that is just a, a very large amount of, like, of, you would be sick. Like, you would be sick. And it he never is describing her as being, like... Human, for the human stomach to contain. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if, if that's what you want to eat, eat it. But, like, to me, like, she's always... Or she's eating, like, multiple pints of ice cream. And, once, and like, if you eat one pint, I mean, you would be probably sick. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Okay. I was gonna say, having tested that theory yeah, in quarantine, I've tested multiple that times. before. <laughs> okay, well, okay, I would like to in this in this first chapter though, we immediately uh, are introduced to the the blurring of real life and fiction because Jay seems to very uh, selectively replace real names with fake things. In a way that I cannot map the logic of. So you have Michael Kors, who's a real designer, name dropped in this. You have mm-hmm. Ashley Graham, name dropped in this chapter, mm-hmm. who's a real uh, plus size model. And then I believe it's in this chapter that we find out Keisha is a spokesperson for a lingerie brand called Veronica's Privates rather yeah. than yes. Victoria's Secret. Which I think it's the way Veronica and it's Veronica's privates plural. Every time I read that, I was put in mind of like it's like a Russian Russian <laughs> operation, like a Russian lingerie <laughs> brand. 
I kept thinking of of the sitcom Veronica's Closet, which is not really related to this. I mean, I guess it's sort of about fashion. But anyway, yeah, there's a lot of blurring. I wonder if it sort of just comes down to like how likely he thought they were to sue. And since Michael Kors doesn't really have much to do. (laughs) That doesn't make sense, though, because I can't imagine Victoria's Secret would sue him over some of the other people he names drops in this book. Yeah. Also, some of this, I feel like Jay has a really weird and clunky sense of humor. I wonder if he thought Veronica's Privates was funny, which it kind of is. I mean, it did did make me scream out loud the first time I read it. Um, Let's get some movement on the plot. uh, Wait, I have to to make... for 20 minutes. I know. Sorry, I have to make one more thing. In this first... Okay, so I don't know if you know uh, Tyra Banks's... Uh, number one enemy, most hated person of all time is Naomi Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have in this chapter a reference to a, a sort of notorious incident where Naomi Campbell threw a phone at an assistant. Yes. And we have uh, Keisha Cash doing the same thing in this chapter. And I can't help but wonder if that's Jay trying to like, like shade Tyra in being like, look, the Tyra stand-in is behaving just like Naomi Campbell, which I imagine is the worst thing you can say to Tyra. Definitely. Well, in this book, he refers to Naomi Campbell as the N-word, not meaning like he oh calls her that, God. but like I, Naomi that was is the N-word where I to lost Tyra. my mind when yeah. it was like he had mentioned the N-word and I was like, what? And had to then go back and like reread several pages and be like, did he? Like, because Jay, the N-word is a, is a thing that – no, I that made me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Kate, keep okay. us on track. Yeah, so, keep we can, going. We can burn through a couple cycles of model me now. Yeah. Like <laughs> I let me go through at least a few, at least a, a chunk of the book, and then we can go back and talk about some of the stuff that it touches on. Um, so Keisha, Pablo, Keisha comes out after Pablo defends her and like basically says like oh my god like I love you you're my new favorite person and he gets her to come back inside and do the fashion show um by like convincing Michael Korves that like he needs her it's this whole like elaborate thing and she's like I love you and after the show's over and she is the star and everyone loves her uh instead of going to the after party where he wanted to network she brings him back to her fancy apartment where they proceed to eat a uh, pint after pint of Haagen-Dazs ice cream while watching old movies on Turner Classic Movies and uh telling each other their tragic backstories and Pablo tells Keisha that he was adopted. His his birth mother abandoned him, um, but his adoptive parents adopted him when he was a few months old and he loves them and he's so grateful for them um, and that he came to New York and that they were like so supportive of him coming to New York to establish himself as a fashion person. And she tells him that when she was very young, um, her father left and her mother was arrested while she and her brother were in the back of the car. And um, I think it, I don't know if at this point she mentions that it happened while it, it was then filmed for a cops stand in called Officers or if that comes out later. Officers um, with a Z. Yeah, officers with a Z. I would like it noted. Um, I, I don't think she mentions Officers with a Z then, but it comes back in soon. I also want to mention that in terms of like the weird stand ins, her mom in this book is called um, Brenda. Is it? Wait, Brenda, Brenda Paris. London? What? Brenda Paris, because Tyra Banks's real mother is named Carolyn London. Yeah, I and can't I... remember with with Paris or London was fake, but like 
this level of like this is clearly her mom and then i looked it up her real mom has no criminal record and like that's no and her mother is on the show pretty frequently and is like a lovely woman and is one of the nicer nicer things to ever happen in top model and like when she shows up everybody's always like happier because tyra's happier and so i don't know i would like to know what beef jay has with uh with with carolyn london specifically right because like the name is so specific and this is one of those things where it's like he's said so much that seems realistic and then here it's like clearly this name means this person but this is a really offensive wild thing that never seemed to have happened yeah um so pablo during this also i think mentions that his dream in life is to have his own talk show um which is he foreshadowing. It and then never mentions it again until the plot needs him to <laughs> yes mm-hmm. Um, so then after like spending a couple days together, Pablo goes back to his apartment and Keisha calls him in the middle of the night to say like, Hey, I have this great idea for like a modeling reality show. At which point he's like, Oh, but like things like America's next top model already exist. Uh, and she's like, no, like I have this great idea. And he helps her flesh it out. And within like, she comes over to his shitty apartment and they work on it. And within like hours, it seems, or days, she has a meeting to pitch the show to a network uh, then makes him come up with all the pitch materials and they go and they successfully pitch it um, with him, of course, doing all of the work. That is the theme throughout this book is that Keisha comes up with these great ideas and then walks away after telling someone that they'll get done. And he is left to do the majority of the work and she gets all the praise for it when he's the real workhorse behind everything good that happens. Yes. So I'm very into like a book about a toxic friendship. Except mm-hmm. this, I feel like in order for a book to be about a toxic friendship in any kind of like interesting or subtle way, there has to, at some point, the relationship has to be non-toxic. Yeah. And this, ne- this relationship never seems non-toxic. And Jay yeah. Pablo seems hyper aware from the start of how toxic it is. Yeah. Yeah. They have like one night of eating ice cream and- and there is a sense that he is starstruck, that he is genuinely a fan of Keisha's modeling work. And so they coast on that for a little while of him just being a fan of hers. But I would say also-, also, I would say also, though, he portrays himself consistently as like an angel, never done anything wrong, just constantly put right. upon. I hate the ter- so I hate the term Mary Sue. Mm-hmm. But this is a Mary Sue in terms of Jay has literally written himself into the book down to like the descriptions and that Pablo has silver hair, which is kind of Jay Manuel's trademark. And he's got these like gray contacts and Jay has, anyways, he not only has written himself literally into the book, he's then written like the most idealized version of himself. Whereas where he's, he's constantly commenting on like how much Keisha eats and how fat she is, but then talking about like catching glimpses of his own svelte body and how his taste is so good and his attitude is so good and everyone else is falling apart and he's always there. It is the most the most generous portrayal of a character I've ever seen. And it is a character that is such a direct analog with the author. Like, I wish I had the self-esteem Jay Manuel does. Yeah. Right. Like, because if it were, if you want to show a toxic friendship where, like, he is writing on her coattails a little bit and he acknowledges that, or if he ever, like, gets called out for being body shaming of Keisha, which he never is. Um, 
Um, so they they get the green light for their show. They start making the show. They find out the executive producer uh, is this guy named Joe Vong, who previously executive produced the show Officers. So, um, sorry, can I – I'm sorry, 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 Kate. It's okay. <laughs> um, so Joe Vong is a very direct uh, – uh, Analog for Ken analog. Mock. For Ken Mock, who was the executive producer of Top Model and who on all of Jay's like pre pre chats that he did with uh, with Miss Jay and then with other models from the cycles, he all but named Ken Mock and basically all of them as being a nightmare and being the reason the show was terrible. And that when Tyra kind of started siding with Ken over him is when the show really like went downhill for him. So I I, I think there is some element of like revenge fantasy in the way he portrays Ken Mock. But mm-hmm. I kept thinking of, so Joe Vong, this character that is Ken Mock, I kept thinking of that. There's an episode of The Office where they read Michael Scott's screenplay. <gasps> yes, And yes. the like bumbling fool assistant in the screenplay is is Dwight. And they realize that because he like forgets to auto, auto replace one of the Dwights because he mistyped it. And that's what I kept thinking of was Jay just like writing this with like Ken Mock, Ken Mock, Ken Mock. And then had to like go back and replace all of the Ken mocks with Joe Vong. Yes. Um, so they they get the green light for the show, and they decide to they want to bring in a bunch of models for Keisha to choose from to do the first season. But she's like, no, no, like the whole point is to like pick girls off the street and off of Instagram and like all of this stuff. So they have an open call instead, and it's so big it causes gridlock uh, in Manhattan. And once it's thousands, 10, a hundred thousand girls and Keisha's like, no, like we're going to look at all of them, but then decides that she is overwhelmed for the day and she's going to leave and puts Jay in charge of doing it. And the other judges um, who are as um, Mackenzie and Renata mentioned earlier, very clearly analogs for the real judges are Miss Thing um, who is a drag queen who taught Keisha, who gave her her advice on how to like do a runway walk when she was first getting started out. It's Miss J specifically. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's so specific that he's not a drag queen. He's like, he's sort of, and, and Miss J is like that too on the show, that he's just sort of like, this is who I am. He uses pronouns pretty interchangeably. Uh, his fashion is sometimes very masculine and sometimes very feminine. And he makes such a point of saying that, that I just like, I would, yeah, if I was Miss J, I would be furious reading this book. Um, and the other judges are, uh, God, I can't fucking remember. Sasha Barrington is one who yes. is clearly a Janice Dickinson stand in because Janice Dickinson was a judge on the first, I think, like five seasons of this show. No, four seasons because five is when they went to London. So they brought in Twiggy. Um, the only. The only person who really doesn't show up is Twiggy because I imagine that she's so like sweet and unobjectionable that Jay just like couldn't create a bad version of her. And then Mason something who's Nigel Barker, who was the uh, noted fashion photographer, uh, British man that was on the panel and is always like a little bit creepy. And in the book, he is full on creepy. Yes. Yes. Um, And explicitly very homophobic. Which is a whole other problematic thing that we'll get to. Okay, um, homophobic. Uh, and while we're here, Mason is married to an Asian model 
whose name is Suk Deep, which looks like suck deep. So you can make like a blowjob joke, which is primarily a masculine name. And then also Miss Thing makes this like veiled comment that Suk Deep is like a is trans like a trans woman but who looks very masculine and that like mason is so closeted gay that he's married a trans woman to like it's and it's so like offhandedly mentioned that but then i had to sit there for a minute and just like process like what the fuck everything in this book is so offhand like that is that would be if i were asked to blurb this book that would be my one word to describe it. it would be like offhand Mackenzie Lee, media luminary. <laughs> and um and and Mason, I mean Nigel is married to a to an Asian model who who I who looks I mean like a I don't think anything else about that is true, but again there's this sort of like little grain of truth and then like I'm sorry, what the fuck? Yeah. What? It's- yeah, so they specifically there's also specifically a reference in the book where they where Miss Thing shades Mason for saying like your wife does too much yoga and Nigel's wife in real life has a twin sister and he photographs her and her twin all the time doing this like these like incredibly elaborate yoga poses Mm. and so that felt that was one of those moments where I was like this is such a specific reference I would also be angry if I was Nigel Barker's wife yeah yeah um, so these are these are the judges that are in the the fictional version, um, and they all went the, the thought of going through a hundred thousand girls off the street also like makes them book it, except for Sasha, um, who, who is just drunk, real drunk, who is constantly drinking like vodka out of her flask. Which, yes. to, to be fair, we're pretty sure Janice Dickinson was also doing well on yeah. America's Next Top Model. Yeah, yeah. that checks out. Um, there's so a they, point. There's a point. In America's Next Top Model, where she like goes to a Korean, uh, uh, not a Korean restaurant. What's it called? A uh, one of those like hot pot restaurants, and uh, throws takes off her fake eyelashes and throws them on the grill. Like her 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 behavior, you would hope is only explainable by uh, by alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they Jay is left alone to do all hundred thousand models and goes through them, breaks them into smaller groups, and picks like a bunch of hopefuls for Keisha and the other judges and the network to meet with. And uh, they pick Keisha decides like these are the ethnicities that we want, and they pick them based on that. Um, and then they are ready to go for the first season. Uh, but also at this point, there's some things that she wants done that they're like, we don't have the budget to do that. And she's like, oh, well, Jay's going to do it. And he'll do it for, or not Jay. I'm sorry. Now I'm no, doing it too. Yeah, it's such a problem. Pablo yeah, Pablo will it. do it for free. Yeah. But then that is resolved off camera where it's like, oh, and also now he's getting paid. Like just, again, offhandedly uh, in the text as it goes on. So they show, they go through like kind of the early episodes of Model Muse and how it's like kind of a... Isn't this also where we're introduced to uh, one of the other producers whose name is Rachel Simpleton? Yes. I just, I just, I, I, I... Rachel Simpleton is the name of a sim who comes preloaded with the game and has a low intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Rachel Simpleton is the only acceptable person to have that name. 
Um, so they, everyone, like, very quickly, it's known on the set that, like, Pablo is, like, the real, he's the only person who can control Keisha, aside from De La Renta, who is her hair and makeup person. Okay, I have a theory about, about De La Renta, which was disproved in, like, the last 10 pages of the book, and I was furious. Because <laughs> De La Renta never interacts with any character other than Pablo, and is all, they're just, I am convinced that De La Renta is actually a figment of Pablo's imagination. Oh. <laughs> because he never, in spite of the fact that he's Keisha's makeup artist in hair, he never like does her makeup artist or makeup in hair. Nobody ever talks to him except for, except for Jay. And they will have these like, these conversations where he's like essentially like bitching to, um, to De La Renta about Keisha and about the show and De La Renta gives like sassy advice. I'm pretty sure it's his imaginary friend. That would make it much more interesting to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I, I think De La Renta is a sort of analog for Nole Marin, who is a judge on the show for a season and uh, is just like a generally uh, creepy person who has in the past been accused of like, trying to uh, solicit sex from people he works with and had this like he tried to start an agency and didn't pay anybody and it's just like generally very creepy on the show and I I had a I had a strong sense that there was some correlation between the two of them uh, so the we get through um, the first like season the first few episodes of the first season um, where like everything's kind of a disaster because Keisha decides like all the time to just change things and she also points at a young girl named Ariana I think um, during like Adriana. the first Adriana. Adriana which okay so sorry <laughs> it's okay it's important I cannot contain it so Adriana is the winner of this cycle the winner of cycle one of america's next top model was named adrian Mm -hmm. and this starts a a weird trend where jay is using almost exclusively names of like well-known contestants from america's next top model to be contestants on the show and sometimes they are direct like with adriana and adrian like she's the winner of cycle one she's the winner of cycle one but other times for example, and this is spoilers for later on, um, there is a model named Kayla later on who sleeps with one of the producers to like try and win the show. Whereas in reality, there's a very well-known model from cycle uh, 14, I believe, named Kayla, who was n- best known because she was a lesbian and also because at one point she confessed to Jay on camera that she had been sexually assaulted when she was a, a kid and as, as a result had a hard time working with male models. And I flipped out when I saw that because I was like, what a disservice to this real woman that you, the the woman who like, clearly everyone's going to associate it with Kayla from the show. And then you make her like the one who's fucking her way to the top. I, I, that one I lost my mind over. And it happens multiple times in the book that there's like, keep going, but um, the, the, I don't know, the, the use of real people's names while sort of placing them haphazardly in other roles was bananas to me. So real quick, they go through the first few episodes of the show. Um, There's a lot of parallels directly between like things that are said and things that are actually said on the show. So it's very clear that this is like really just taken right from real life. Um, And it's also very clear that Pablo is the only one to control Keisha. She has pointed at this girl and said like on the very first day, like, 
she's going to be the winner. And at first he doesn't believe that that's like, that he just thinks that she's talking out her ass. Um, but very soon it becomes clear that she is manipulating things so that this girl is the winner. And we go through a whole bunch of things with the different models. They do a shoot with animals and someone has like a deathly fear of birds and passes out. And someone else is like allergic to their animals. So they have to swap it. And uh, so that it's just like general chaos that Jay is expected to, or Pablo is expected Mm -hmm. to be in charge of. Another thing that comes up here that is foreshadowing that comes back later is that Keisha refuses to wear an earpiece to hear what the producers are saying and what's going on. So frequently they are able to talk amongst each other about her without her hearing it. So at the end of the first season, Adriana does win it. And um, they're like, he's ready to like take a little bit of a vacation and chill out before the next season. Pablo, this is. Uh, but no, like Keisha wants to do the open calls in more cities for season two. But also, she is cheating on her boyfriend with a football player. So she makes him like come with her on trips to go see the football player so that she can claim that they're business trips and not make her boyfriend aware of what's going on. And also, like, everyone loves Pablo, and Keisha's mad that people like Pablo more than her. One of the people who appears to like Pablo more than her is Mason, who at this point, as we said earlier, there's some like weird sexual assault stuff that comes up. And this is one of them. Um, While they're being fitted for their season two wardrobe, Mason comes on to Pablo and then like literally jumps him and like will not let go of him and is like wrestling him to the ground. He finally is able to like get up and get away and Pablo goes to Keisha about it and Keisha's like it it doesn't matter like it's just you know he didn't actually assault you so it's fine and we need him for the show so just like smile and nod and be professional like that's what you have to do and he's deeply hurt by this also Which, uh, correctly as yes. as you should be yeah absolutely but then seemingly immediately gets over it also true yeah it's it's weird and it's like one of those things where like did did this happen? Yeah, right. that was the of everything that happened in the book, that was the one that was sort of the most uncomfortable for me only because Mason is so clearly meant to be like it's not even subtle that he is a, a an analog of Nigel Barker. Mm-mm. And that just seems like such a big if you're if you're clearly basing your characters on real people, maybe don't accuse them of sexually assaulting you if they haven't yeah right or if you want to accuse them of sexually assaulting you maybe do it in like a legal proper way instead of in this like weird fan fiction yeah it's it's very strange so Keisha decides that she also is going to be an she's going to record an album she's going to be a famous singer so she makes Pablo like help her get this done but she can't sing at all um and of course like when he takes her to the recording studio and she does real bad at singing and the engineer is like what the fuck and he's like uh Keisha you really can't sing good and she's like well why don't you try to sing and he does and it's beautiful and perfect mm-hmm. of course Absolutely. of course also Keisha gets Celine Dion's vocal cords and then he has coach and he has to flee the country after one session because she's so bad yes 
Uh, so she does this single um, that is clearly plagiarizing a Beyonce song. And yeah, then her version is called Girls Are the World instead of Who Run the World Girls. And then makes the, the models in that season um, record a music video with her that is very clearly plagiarized from the video. Which or- is a real thing that happened in cycle two of America's Next Top Model, that Tyra Banks recorded a single uh, and then I don't think there were plagiarism accusations, but she but recorded it was a single called Shake Your Body and then made the models be in the video. And there's a part where Jay notes that, or Pablo says, like, Keisha wants a fully edited music video in a day and a half from the time that we, like, shoot it to the time we show it at judging, even though we could drop it in later. And Jay has confirmed that that's actually what happened and that they shot this video and then they had judging the next day and Tyra was like, okay, so I need the whole like perfect music video. And he was like, oh no, we're just going to drop it in and post later. And she's like, no, I need the music video for judging. And so that's another one of those moments where I was like, okay, so that's very real. So did Nigel Barker sexually assault you? <laughs> yeah. And it's like a, a continuing theme where like she will decide that something has to be this way and have him do it and he has to like stay up all night to do it or he and the production crew have to like be there like there's these constant comments about how they're all like the show is always over budget because they have to pay so much overtime to the crew because nothing anything like a thing that should be shot in five hours takes 15. There's also a lot of references where they're like Pablo aside is like mocking Keisha by saying things like oh now she's going to be America's next top recording artist which doesn't make any sense because they're not on the show America's Next Top Model. <laughs> yeah, something, it... something an editor might have noticed. Yeah. I have a feeling there wasn't one of those involved in this. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay. But then um, then we move into when Keisha starts writing her book and she decides she's going to be America's Next Top Novelist. And this right. actually, I feel like, does um, make me question a lot of the other stuff because – her book, as described by Pablo, it's like she's clearly plagiarizing it and it's the sci-fi thing and like she's just copying this other book. But we run Modeland and it is unique. It I is believe unlike with- anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I believe with all my heart that Tyra wrote that book herself and that it is not plagiarized because there's nothing else as unhinged as that on the market. And there's just yeah. not. That was it was a thought that I had when I was reading it too, was that like he talks about he makes up a book that it's like clearly plagiarized from and like also mentions like, oh, and like things are taken from the Hunger Games too. And I mean like it does follow the same template as a lot of dystopias that were coming out after the Hunger Games, but like so did seven hundred other books. Like it didn't steal anything like it wasn't plagiarized it was its own very fucked up weird unique thing that did not exist anywhere else and and we can tell you that because we read all like 1000 literal pages of it mm-hmm. also i this is another one of those weird things where i'm like why are you making some stuff up and not others because he makes up this fake book called star planet that she's borrowing from and like literally keeping a copy on her nightstand while she's writing but then throughout the book, he like name drops Divergent at one point and has a a like a, an elaborate metaphor that involves the Divergent factions. He name drops Hunger Games. There were a couple other that I was just like, how is how are you how are you how why how are you choosing what is what is real and what is fake? It's so weird. and yeah. there's, there's her book also- is called Planet Fierce and it flops. 
Yes. And there's there's also a bit in there where he like makes like a snooty comment about like, you know, just because like you wrote like words on a page doesn't mean that like you can write a book and like not everyone can write a book. And it's like, my dude, you are you are throwing the biggest stone in the most elaborate mm-hmm. glass house that you are currently encased in. Like, mm-hmm. how did you write these words on the page and be like, that'll show them? <laughs> like, what? Also, can we can we backtrack just slightly to say that there is a, a three and a half page description where Pablo gets a new apartment from he moves up from his like crummy walk up in Hell's Kitchen and gets this apartment. And Jay spends three pages describing every detail of this apartment. And it sounds like the creepiest Patrick Bateman psycho apartment where like everything <laughs> is white and lucite and there's like a, a mirror over the bed and it's terrifying and I hate it. And it, and was it, the and it also reads like an, an embedded ad for Siri and Apple Home because he's very impressed with all the stuff you can make Siri do with the lights and stuff. Right. Yeah. He sh- and he shares it off to his uh, imaginary friend, De Laurenta. <laughs> yes. And, uh, also, for so- some reason, they, they say that he spells exactly all the time as exactly, E G G dash Z A C K L Y. Yes. Which everyone seems to use in the book. Also, I'm so sorry, Kate. Uh, <laughs> one of the one of the things Pablo and this is one of those things where I was like, this feels like your mom trying to be cool. Uh, I love my mom; she's very cool. But you know, the hypothetical mom, where Pablo's thing is that he does hashtag fingers, yes. and then he will say like hashtag real talk, Keisha, just like in conversations, and then she starts doing it on the show, and he's very upset that she's stolen his trademark thing. But his trademark thing is hashtag fingers right i i i i have no words yeah it's it's a lot so we we flash forward at this point to like several cycles seasons later yeah we jump um, to six from one to yes. six and in this one um pablo's just like exhausted he thinks that he can't like do the show anymore he's just tired all the time he doesn't have time for a life like he's just constantly doing whatever keisha asks and trying to keep like the show from being canceled due to her like being a monster and all this other stuff and it's in it's the lead up to the finale of season six and Keisha has decided that a plus size model is going to win for the first time and has picked this girl Beth who as we noted before like despite the fact they're like yeah like we're gonna have a plus size girl win like she is just like a person who is constantly eating and constantly like they they say something about how her thumb and pointer finger are dyed orange from all the Cheetos that she eats Mm -hmm. all the time and like just constantly talking about how she's like dumb and uh, and, and not a good model. Like her photos don't look that good, but Tyra keeps picking them anyway. Wait, and, I think you, I think you missed something important though. Didn't we miss uh, the the you, we were all rooting for you meltdown? That's part so of I was this. gonna yeah. That oh, was, okay, that's coming. That's coming. Yeah. Um. So, but there's also another girl who is like a really good model, and she has like this beautiful red hair, and she takes like really good photos, and all the judges keep saying like no, like but we love her. We don't want like Beth isn't good enough to win. Like we need this girl Nicole to win. And Side so bar, there was a contestant named Nicole who had famously long, beautiful red hair. And she also it's spelled the same way. My cousin Nicole, not the cousin who's been on this show, whose name is spelt and I the regular way. Um, it felt spelled very similar to the way that like my 
my younger cousin Nicole's name is spelt, which like is just it made me laugh every time because I had never when my aunt was like, this is what we're naming our baby. I was like, that certainly is a name you could choose for your baby. Mm. You white lady. Um, can we can but- we briefly set something up here, too, which is during this cycle is when Keisha receives a Da Vinci Code-esque cipher and a vial of blood from her mother in prison that she then has to use to exonerate her for allegedly stealing Elizabeth Taylor's jewels from a morgue. Uh-huh. Like, yes. that is a plot in this book. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> I think lost, I lost my goddamn mind when I hit that point. I was like, is this the Da Vinci Code now? And then it just, and, like, and casually goes back to, like, modeling. Well, and he calls it, he's like, now I feel like I'm in the, the Da Vinci Code, but with ethnically diverse casting. Like, yes. okay, okay, Jay. <laughs> Um, oh my so god, there's Ke- so much more to get through. I'm yes. sorry, Kate. I'm, go, I know, go, go, go. we're about halfway. We're about halfway. <laughs> so, Keisha, and we have about seven minutes left. <laughs> and, and oh god, there's so much. So, go. Keisha, so it's the end of season six. Um, Keisha wants this plus size model to win. This girl, Nicole, with beautiful red hair. All the judges like her. So, during like what is supposed to be the like final judging for this where i believe nicole is going to be eliminated um all of the the judges are like no like we like nicole so keisha's like oh like everybody's getting another makeover right now and she makes nicole shave like her beautiful long red hair like on camera and nicole's like okay i'll do it but only if i can donate my hair to locks of love and keisha's like oh like what's locks of love and Pablo's like, oh, like, it's this great charity where, you know, hair is used to make wigs for cancer victims. And so they shave her hair. And then during the judging, she says, like, oh, like, my mom died from breast cancer. They try try to tell her, like, oh, like, you're, how do you like your new makeover, Nicole? And she's like, oh, like, I feel, like, very confident because, like, my mom died from breast cancer. And, like, she was, she lost her hair. And, like, it just, like, makes me feel closer to her and makes me feel really powerful and, like, does this, like, beautiful speech that has everyone crying. And then, like, Keisha, like, loses it at her. Like, just has like a fucking meltdown on this girl like a we were rooting for you tiffany style thing it is i think that's what it's meant i'm pretty sure it's meant to be so in cycle four there was this model named tiffany if you guys don't know from the internet who was like the 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 story she like she was a single mom and she was i think homeless or like living with her grandmother and just like and had anger management issues and then came back to the show. She like was on one season and got cut and then came back. Cause she like lied to the judges about getting anger management. And she was sort of both to be the winner hypothetically, and then kind of just gave up on the competition. And this is where, if you've been on the internet at all, you get the Tyra Jeff of, we were all rooting for you because Tyra Banks just like lost her shit at Tiffany after she'd already been eliminated for like not being sad enough about being eliminated and my favorite, so, and apparently the version that we got on TV, and this has come out from several different sources now, including Jay, the version we see on TV of Tyra freaking out is a much abbreviated version of the actual freak out that happened, which included a part where Tyra said to Tiffany something to the effect of like, if you don't want to try anymore, like go home and sleep on the floor with your, your, your baby and your dumpy grandma or something like God. just savage. But so, but here's why it's wild because they're like, oh, this is going to ruin the show. This is so bad versus the, that we were rooting for you, Tiffany is like classic, hugely popular. And I think they would know that. 
Um, but did they know it at the time? Because I remember Jay talking in his interview about how they were all shocked that Tyra said, like, leave that in the show. They just assumed they would cut it because it made her look so bad. But so my favorite part of this is when when Keisha's freaking out at uh, not Tiffany and the like the amount the uh, what's the word I keep half using it amalg not amalgam what's the word analog analog thank you the analog here is she says now go back to grandma's house and sleep on that ratty ass mattress with your brother Davy and his club foot yes. <laughs> which is the most insane sentence in any piece of literature ever yes. Um, but so someone is like, and this belies, this is not how Instagram works. Someone is secretly Instagram living this. And they're like, oh no, there's a mole on set and they have to fix it. I Pablo feel like it's has- heavily implied that it's Sasha because he says like, Sasha has her phone out and she has lots of Instagram sock puppets. It's not secret because like they, he, he says Sasha pulls out her phone and is, and is filming this. Yeah. So then there's this whole like mystery where they're like, who, who leaked it? And I was like. We saw her. We saw her leak it. Yeah, like he he very explicitly says, like you know, Sasha has her phone out, and she has like all these secret Instagram accounts that no one knows about. But yeah, but they act like it's a secret. They have to shut down production and like get all their shit together. And of course, it's up to Pablo to heroically save the day. Um, meanwhile, the third finalist, Kayla, is blackmailing the show because she has been having sex with multiple producers, including Keisha's agent Andy. Okay, so can we talk about at this part? So Jay Jay Manuel is a gay man. Mm -hmm. Does he know how heterosexual sex works on like an anatomical level? Perhaps not. The sex scene that he so so Pablo's like in the bathroom in a toilet stall trying to crack the Da Vinci Code cipher by by googling how do you break how do you crack an anagram. And I looked it up and the, he literally copied and pasted from WikiHow. Like there's a part where he stops and is like, here's five, five instructions. So he's like in the bathroom stall. Here's these people. Here's Kayla and um, Andy, who's Tyra's agent, come in or Keisha's agent. God damn it. Mm-hmm. And then he, so they're like making out and he's watching them through the crack. And Andy says like, you're, he says to Kayla, he says, you're so wet. And then they take, and then he takes off his pants and she pulls up her skirt and like, what? And then, like, just, like, this whole scene, I'm like, I don't feel like the mechanics of this are correct. Yeah, and then afterward, she, like, doesn't come, and he's like, you're lucky for what you can get. Like, you didn't get anything. Okay. So, 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 all right, so let me, let me, uh, so they're on hiatus because Keisha's meltdown. Nicole's hair is missing. Someone on, this girl, Harper, on the crew, who's, like, a new producer who's, like, very dumpy looking it is mentioned several times and like not fashionable but very intelligent about how like to make things work and how to get things to work um is like well why don't we do a photo shoot like this famous photo shoot that mason did with the girls and you know if we do something like that we can i'm not sure how she thinks it's gonna work but then pablo kind of takes that and runs with it and he's like oh like if we do it and we have like them all wear bald caps and it can be like about cancer awareness and, um, you know, well, it'll really save the show and we can reshoot like what we already did and make it seem like this is the the photo shoot that we're judging is this, you know, cancer photo shoot like goes through this whole thing. But like Mason can't do it because actually his like more talented assistant did it. But then like he quit and ran away. His, so his more talented assistant who was. Indian or Pakistani was was a person of color, whereas Mason is white. 
Yes. And also Nigel Barker in real life is part Sri Lankan. So he's mm-hmm. not a he, he's not a that was another thing is there's a lot of like sass about Mason's white privilege in this where the character that he's standing in for which is Nigel Barker is not a is not a white person and talks on the show a lot about his Sri Lankan heritage. So I thought that was kind of a a weird thing. Yeah. So um so Pablo comes up with how to do this. Um he spends all night like learning after effects and comes up with an updated version and um like tells them how they can edit her meltdown into the show and how to change everything um and he also breaks the anagram and realizes that uh as we said before like this is blood that is from uh Keisha's mother that can be used to exonerate her so while all of this is happening also Pablo gets a call from the head of the network who is like whose name is Royce like yeah. Royce with a B, which mm. is not a real name. No. So he gets a call from them and they're like, oh, like we want you, like we understand that you are the one who fixes everything on set. Like you are the person who everyone can come to with things. We get that like you're the reason that Model Muse works. And I just want you to know that everyone here knows how much work you do. And they call him and ask him to do a red carpet with their like fashion people with celeb buzz tv yes sure. um is this, the, is this the emmys yeah 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 look he's hosting the emmys which have inexplicably been moved to lincoln center or he's not hosting yes. it but he's he's hosting the red carpet yeah. yeah yeah so it's this nice perk for him and then meanwhile keisha's agent andy is telling pablo also like we know how much you do for keisha and just between you and me we're very close to having a deal for a keisha and pablo talk show and like Netflix loves you too and your chemistry. So like just hang in there and you're going to get that talk show that you wanted. So he's, And it's he's, being, it's being uh, bankrolled by Keisha's production company, which is called Cashing In Productions. Uh, and it should be noted that Tyra Banks' company is called Bankable Productions. Yeah. Um, so he's like really excited because like he's really That's close his dream. to, yeah, he's really close to having this. Um, because remember, he, he had this dream of having a talk show that he mentioned once at the beginning of the book and never came back. Um, so, yeah, so he she he's like very excited about all of this. And then um, he makes a comment while on the phone to someone while they're like wrapping up judging about Keisha, which is like real tame. I can't remember even what it is in the, the scope of things. Um, and Keisha overhears it because they actually have finished taping, which like is very out of character because normally they have to go for like hours more. And so she talks to, he overhears her then because she's still miked, tell her manager that she doesn't want the Keisha and Pablo show. She only wants the Keisha show. She calls Pablo like a, an abandoned, um, like a biracial throwaway baby. Yes. That's a direct quote. And then tells Keisha to destroy the note and the blood because she wants her mom to stay in prison. So Pablo is like really upset about all of this. um, And, but also can't let her know that he knows it. So he's He's like, he's been texting this friend who's in his phone only as ice, like in case of emergency. And ice tells him like, Oh, bide your time. Like you got to play this cool. Um, and so he decides he's going to do that thanks to his friend Ice. 
Yes. And Ice, he has been talking to Ice like repeatedly throughout. Like he refers to him as like his mentor who gives him advice on like the reality TV world and the fashion world. And if you think you know who it is, you're probably right. (laughs) But gives him the most like bullshit advice that doesn't actually help at all. He'll be like, okay, so here's this really real problem I have. And Ice replies like, believe in yourself. Like that's not real helpful. Yes. So uh, it turns out that in jail, um, Keisha's mother has been treating like model muse swag for favors. And we suddenly suddenly have an abrupt point of view shift where suddenly we're in prison with uh, Brenda Paris. Yes. And so she she trades uh, a hoodie for use of a cell phone so that she could have an unmonitored call with someone who at first like we don't know who it is, but it turns out it's Pablo. And she, like, tells him, like, all of the – the whole story of, like, her arrest and all this dirt on Keisha. Um, so they – he goes into, like, the last day of shooting for the um, – this season. And, again, like, as we said, like, Beth, the plus-size model, was supposed to win. But they – she, like, goes to town on the oyster buffet, and she'd never had oysters before. And it turns out that she is allergic so they have to bring her to the hospital. And when they get to the hospital, it turns out she also has this, like, flesh-eating bacteria and is going to need to have, like, limbs amputated. They amputate her limbs. I can't it's, handle it. Yeah. And it, the, the, the gross fat phobia of being, like, our plus-size contestant couldn't stop eating. And because of that, she gets her leg cut off. It's like, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. So they are able to bring Keisha, who is the... Um, the or Kayla, sorry, Kayla, who is the girl who had been sleeping with everyone on set to win back because she had been threatening to sue, um, because Beth is now in the hospital, and they decide to have Nicole be the winner. And after like all of this, Keisha and Pablo have a big fight because he comes and he says, like, hey, like, I don't think I want to be on the show anymore. Like, I think I'm done. And wait, we have to go back slightly because Pablo, so after the after the um the Emmy's red carpet that Pablo hosts, he texts um, Ice, his emergency contact, who uh, essentially tells him, like, Pablo, you are my biggest inspiration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is when we discover, can we reveal this now? Oh, yeah, I guess here is where it happens. This is where place. it happens, that his in case of emergency text is Jay Manuel. Yes. As in Jay Manuel, the person who is writing this book, who tells the character that is clearly meant to be a Jay Manuel stand-in that he is his biggest inspiration. Yeah, it is. When I tell you I lost my fucking mind at this point, (laughs) I wrote all, I have written all over this page. Just what, what, what? I, I fucking lost it. Because even the chapter before that, he gets, uh, Pablo gets excited because at Mr. J. Manuel tweets about Pablo's red carpet hosting. And I was like, oh, that's weird. That alone I flagged and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then, oh my God. It's, I will say, what the second that he was like, oh yeah, like my mentor who knows about fashion and reality TV, who I won't refer to by name, I was like, oh my God, is it going to be J. Manuel? And then when the Twitter thing happened and he got so excited that that he tweeted it, I was like, oh, maybe it's not him because why would he get so excited about it if like he talks to this guy all the time via text and then it still was him. So who fucking knows? Yeah. 
Um, so like Jay gives him advice to like be chill with Keisha, like she's a monster and she's going to like destroy your life. So like you need to put space between you and like you're so great and believing yourself because you're so awesome and wonderful and great at everything. Um when, so he, when Keisha goes low, you go high. Yeah. So he, he and Keisha have a huge fight over him quitting the show. Um, and he is like, oh, like, I can do whatever I want now. Um, but also Keisha's going to everyone and telling them not to work with him. Um, so he still is having, like, some work coming from his, like, red carpets and stuff. But they're only sporadic because red carpets don't happen every day. And uh, so he is, like, looking for work because he does have to pay off his mortgage. And then he gets a call from the producers who are like, oh, like, you have to come back because, you know, you're so, like, we can't do the show without you. Like, everything's falling apart. Like, you're so integral to everything. Like, we did focus groups and, like, 50% of the people watching said that they would quit watching the show if you left. So this is another thing that apparently is very, like, true to life in that Jay tried, Jay tried to quit the show after Cycle 8. And that's when him and Tyra, like had a big falling out that he he claims they never recovered from, but she's never spoken out on this. So who knows? Um, and then they, so he like tried to quit the show and they apparently begged him back because they were like, this can't, we can't do this without you. And then he stuck around for a, a stupid amount more seasons that it doesn't seem like that's maybe real. But this was another moment where I was like, okay, what's real here? Because this is definitely something you've spoken a lot about in like the promo for this book. Yeah. Um, so he he agrees to come back. They make him an executive producer. They give him like all of this like creative say. And he's like a much more on camera talent now. And Keisha's really mad about it. And so she starts trying to destroy the show by like first like leaking Miss Things dick pics so that mm. she can fire him as a judge. And then, like, doing all this other, like, all this other gossip starts leaking, and um, the Joe Vong gets fired from being executive producer, and because, because of because of not doing anything about Mason's assault of Pablo, yes, because that gets out, which he didn't report, correct? Correct. Right. He, 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 reported- only, he told Keisha, and Keisha was like, "It's no big deal. Leave it be." And I think she also told Joe, like, I think that was a point where. She told him, and he was like real rude about it. And I'd she also didn't like our listeners Pablo. to note that Kate's uh, synopsis she's giving here is ninety eight percent more coherent than the actual. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. If you're this- listening, you're like, "Well, this doesn't make sense," and I understand how they got from A to B. Like, no, us neither. Moving yeah, I, I read. I finished reading this yesterday, and there are things Kate's saying that I'm like, "Did that happen?" <laughs> It did. It all happened. But I, also, I did it one... in real life? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I have knows? one important role on this show, and it's remembering what happens in the book for the length of time it takes to record the podcast, and then you're immediately not even, forgetting all of it. You're not even remembering it. It's like you are serving as translator for Jay Manuel's nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are turning his ramblings into moderately coherent pl- plot points. Well, thank you. I try my best. Even Okay, so, but then even this... Can you make sense of Pablo shows up on set with Keisha's mom, who he's gotten out of jail because he found other um, evidence. That exonerates her from stealing Elizabeth Taylor's jewels from a morgue safe. What is happening? 
so he shows up with her and that's like very menacing to Keisha who apparently doesn't have a good relationship with her mom unlike Tyra and Carolyn and then Keisha is counter blackmailing Pablo because she says if you don't go to the press and say that Mason didn't really assault you then I'm gonna make you go on Good Morning America with your birth mother which doesn't seem like a real threat like if anything I feel like that would sort of I mean I get that you don't want to be forced into that but that doesn't make Pablo look bad that he's well and and Pablo immediately is like okay let's do it I'll go on Good Morning America and it's like okay so there goes your blackmail and he also he records the whole conversation secretly on his phone he records this conversation which is not a particularly incriminating conversation or like the parts he's recording are not because like she's so first of all he when this is happening they're like at the model's apartment and the models are trashing their apartment and one of them like full on takes a shit in the kitchen sink. And I, again, threw the book across the room um, <laughs> and he like grabs Keisha and drags her into this little like office area and they're having this conversation and he, and they use like, re- they, Jay uses really like kind of violent language that he's like, I grabbed Keisha and I dragged her across and I ripped her microphone off And then the part of the conversation he records that's supposed to incriminate her is her saying, like, I'm going to tell people you assaulted me. And I'm like, he did. That's not like that's not incriminating because it's like it's real. Well, but what she's going to she's going to cut herself with glass and say that he cut her and he records her explaining that plot. But it's so it's so like the thing I if you had this, like if you turned in just this audio feed to the police, like it's hot nonsense. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. in it that would actually be incriminating. Um, so really quickly, we're at the very end here. Um, he tells her that she he recorded this conversation and she like kind of gives up. And prior to this, when he had been doing all the scheming with her mother, Jay had been texting him saying like, Pablo, like you have to chill. Like you're becoming Keisha. Like you can't play dirty like her. And he realizes that Jay is right. Like he is be- becoming like just like her and he needs to stop. So he like comes to terms with that and makes peace with it. And then like Jay texts him, Jay calls him while he's fighting with uh, Keisha and he can't, he doesn't like notice that the phone is ringing and he's really upset because they've never talked on the phone before. And like, this was going to be like a new, like important thing. And he leaves him a voicemail and basically says like, Oh, Pablo, like, I hope I didn't come off as too harsh in my texts. You know, if you believe in yourself and like, you're great and you just need to like forgive yourself and accept yourself for who you are and like be the best version of yourself and you can do anything. And then like Pablo's like, and you know, he like the book ends with Pablo being like, and he knew that it was true. The end. And like, yeah. And nothing is resolved. No. I mean, you say nothing is resolved like there was enough things set up in a coherent way that needed to be resolved. There's no character growth. There's no, even when like Jay's saying like, you're becoming like, like pop or like Keisha. I was like, really? I don't feel like I've seen a, a noticeable character shift in him in the last couple of pages. He seems to just try, he seems like he's just trying to get paid and like get yeah. credit for his work. Um, so we have a lot more to say about this. Uh, so if you're, we'll probably be dropping a follow-up episode to this book pretty soon. But until then, why don't we go on to dramatic readings? Okay. So the first one is when uh, we have Pablo meeting Keisha at Virgil's Barbecue, which is like where she's always going to eat ribs. Um, and I will be Pablo and Mackenzie will be uh, Keisha, who is looking to expand her brand. 
Sitting in the VIP back corner of her favorite eatery, the checkered tablecloth was already spattered with barbecue sauce. Keisha's lips were telltale orange. She didn't even pause to stop chewing as she told Pablo how happy she was he'd invited her to lunch. Being an author is so hard. She confided over a platter of ribs at Virgil's. I had no idea, and De Laurenta is such a pain in my ass. He insists on doing my hair while I'm creating. Pablo didn't dare respond for fear of laughing. Do you have a publisher yet? Andy's sure he can get one, but says he'll be lucky to get more than a six-figure advance. She shook her head disgustedly. If I'd known how hard it was to write a novel and how little they'd pay me, I never would have started. Well, your name alone will sell books. My name is not what this is about. You of all people should know that. I'm trying to inspire young girls. I'm trying to do something here that's important, Pablo. On another planet. My aliens save the Earth. Do they recycle? Are you making fun of me? Keisha, you used to have a sense of humor. You're so wrapped up in this book that you're stressing yourself out too much. Look at yourself. You're starting to look like an author. I can't stop the muse, Mr. Pablo. She won't just turn off like a faucet. Thank God for De La Renta is all I can say. Someone has to save that hair of yours. Um, I feel like those lines about, I, I flagged the line, if I'd known how hard it was to write a novel and how little they'd pay me, I never would have started as the realest thing that is said in this book. Like I felt, <laughs> as, as a novelist, I felt that deeply, deeply inside of myself. That, and then I also felt the sting of, look at yourself, you're starting to look like an author as a burn. <laughs> like, how dare you as I'm sitting alone in my apartment without having showered for three days and wearing no bra and oversized sweatshirt and no pants <laughs> yeah you're, you're doing amazing sweetie <laughs> um okay the next one i'm gonna do this is sort of a prelude to her meltdown um it's weird um and so they have a guest judge whose name is coco rocha who i'm actually not sure who that is supposed to be so coco rocha is a real person oh okay and kind of the only person that comes out of this book sparkling um coco rocha is my favorite model she's uh-huh. known for being this very like athletic posy uh dance she was discovered as a dancer and she's also just like a huge dork and really charming on instagram and she posted a very cute video when jay sent her like the the advanced copy of this book and i hope she never reads it <laughs> well again yeah she does look fine in this okay so that helps. So, Keisha, I'm going to read all the parts because there's too many dialogues, so try to bear with this madness. Okay, so Keisha is describing Coco, and she says, Born Michaela Rocha, she borrowed the beloved Coco Chanel's legendary name to elevate her own brand. Obviously, the jealous supermodel host had Googled Coco's legal birth name. As the queen of pose, Coco's expression remained stoic and sophisticated. She didn't blink an eye. Pablo could feel the psychic dressing down she was giving him, though, especially since she'd only filled in at the last minute as a favor for him. So in the spirit of Coco honoring us with her celestial presence, I'm changing my last name to a metaphor. Keisha, cash, with the S in my last name becoming a dollar sign. Unilaterally, the models, judges, producers, and crew stared at their narcissistic hosts in dumbfounded shock. Hashtag flashback Friday. Miss Thing sounded boisterous and bossy. Didn't the singer Kesha already rock that look? Keisha? And why not swap out the S in both your names? Keisha ignored him. 
As much as we've progressed with equal pay for women in this business, there's still a long way to go. My dollar sign will serve as a reminder that Keisha Cash is now bankable and here to help young girls, like yourselves, become empresses of their own empire brands. That's it. She's lost her mind. Officially, De La Renta quipped. And clearly the bitch is bad at math. Everyone knows female models earn 30 times more than male models. Equal pay for who? So there's a lot to unpack and let's just move on and not unpack any of it. I feel like that that little snippet, though, is a perfect example of everything wrong with the writing in this book. Everything. Just the, the yeah, sentences also, are so long. There's we'll so just... many adjectives and they're all nonsense. And then there's so many things like she blinked her eyes and it's like, you don't have to say blinked her eyes. Like it's already there. And it's like, she's the queen of pose. So she kept her face stoic. And it's like, those two things have nothing to do with each other. I also will note that uh, her real name is literally the first thing listed on her Wikipedia page. I don't think it's a secret. It's not a secret. She's talked about like how she got her nickname is from her mom. And uh, anyways, anyway, so the last dramatic reading we're going to do is the big reveal text uh, conversation between uh, Pablo and his secret in case of emergency contact who we do find out is Jay Manuel um, and I will be reading for Pablo and uh, Mackenzie is going to be reading for Jay the greatest honor of my life truly <laughs> so happy for your success you deserve it beware the pressure and anxieties of fame are fierce smiley face don't do anything desperate KK is a master of wooing the court of public opinion. If you write a tell-all memoir, she'll vilify you mercilessly. OTR, I'm writing a book of my own, but it's a novel. You can have a lot more fun with that because it's all, quote, fiction, smiley face. A novel? About what? It's a dark comedic take on the extreme abuse of power that runs rampant in the TV biz and throughout society today. It's basically inspired by my life. This sounds juicy. Want to spill some tea for a change? I'll spill this. It's very meta. You ain't ready, smiley face. It conveys an important narrative in our world of social media where stories of substance are often sacrificed for viral sensation. You know the deal. So with my salacious title and plot, which I'm not going to tell you, people might accept it for real gossip, but ultimately I'll get my true message out there. In a time where the pressure to be validated online takes precedence over exploring the truth of who we are, quote, likes and comments have derailed our personal growth. We're no longer seeing the reality of the world around us. Oh, you're going there. ANTM fans are going to gobble it up. LOL, we'll see. When you began working on MM, I started to see my life through your eyes. I know this sounds very Super Soul Sunday, but it's what you did for me, Pablo. You opened my eyes, leading me to my own inner child. Wow, and here I thought you were my lifeline. You were my lifeline. You've dodged so many bombs in the industry and have all the experience. You're like the big brother I never had. Truth? Advising you turned into an exercise of reassuring my younger self. I will forever credit you for compelling my spirit to grow. You may think I'm your lifeline, but it was really you who saved me. I walked around with blinders on. When I was your age, I made a ton of mistakes and wished I could hear the voice of reason. Myself. I don't know what to say. Jay Manuel is telling me, little Pablo Michaels, that I helped him? You're silly. Remember, I'm just Jay, and I've been here for you all along. Jay Manuel has become an identity the world thinks they know, but they really don't. Deep. 
Now I see why you love Ian I Ian Law. No idea. Van Zant so much. Ha! Smiley face. Speaking of Ian, and with regards to KK, don't react. Just act with courage and faith. You'll know what to do. I'm not worried about you at all. You'll go on to do great things, and I'll be watching. Big virtual hug, XOXOXO. You guys, somehow that made even less sense reading it out loud than it did when I read it. Let us also skip Reader's Advisory, and we'll have some books we would recommend instead of or in addition to this book up on our website, worstbestsellers.com. I think we are all saying we would not really recommend this. Like, it is buck wild, but not... But not in a fun way. I would, yes. can I recommend instead, um, there is a great podcast uh, called uh, Pod Leadum, which is America's Next Top Model podcast spelled backwards. Uh, great. And uh, it's three very smart people who are watching every episode of Top Model and breaking it down. And they did two episodes about uh, this book, which are, which are sort of like, I would just listen to those episodes and listen to this instead of actually reading the book. And you'll get the nonsense without having to like, slog through all the fat phobia and transphobia and homophobia and adjectives of this book. That sounds sensible. Yes. We'll link to that. Um, let's just quickly play the rock paper snicked, which is of course the game where Kate says who Dwayne the rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if you're in this book. And Mackenzie can choose which would most enhance the book or choose paper, which is to leave it as is. Oh, I've been so excited to play this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, it's kind of a shock that The Rock isn't in this book. Um, but if Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, he would definitely be a guest judge on Model Muse. Uh, he would be very annoyed by Keisha's antics and have like a very sympathetic conversation with Pablo about how he's better than all of this. And he needs to find it within himself to make his own path. And, you know, he's willing to like do this favor to Pablo, who he loves and respects so much to be on this show. But like Keisha's bad news and Pablo should watch out for himself. And it wouldn't actually like really change very much about the book. But I think there's very little at this point that could save this book. Yeah. Um, If Wolverine were in this, rather than plagiarize from, um, now I don't even remember what the fake book was, but she would plagiarize from the X-Men to create her novel. And so instead of Planet Fears, she would launch a new comic book series about models who are superheroes. Uh, Wolverine himself would not directly be in Keisha's version because he is old and gross looking, but Laura Kinney would inspire a very sexy assassin slash model character. I mean, both of these are are inspired, and I am kind of upset that you you two weren't the in case of emergency text for real life, Jay Manuel, <laughs> to tell him to make these changes to the book. Um, however, I think I'm going to have to go with Renata because I love the idea of uh, model X Men. Yeah, I honestly, as I said it, like, I feel like that should exist and, like, probably does. (laughs) If it doesn't, I know what my next project will be. Yes, please. (laughs) Give us fierce Loki. (laughs) I mean, it's not 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 what my – there's a large fashion component to my Loki novel. I know. (laughs) But give us more. Um, Okay. But what do we think the moral of this story is? Um, my moral of the story is if you're a famous person who can't get a bite on your tell-all book from one of the big five, there's probably a reason. 
My moral is similar, and it's just not everyone has to write a book. My moral, which I'm going to actually uh, use a quote to describe, is, quote, The world of reality TV is not real, and yet reality television has morphed into reality. I've worked in the world of smoke and mirrors, and when the smoke dissipates, <laughs> the mirrors reflect the truth. J. Manuel. Oh, <laughs> that is deep. God, somebody, real talk. somebody should use that as like the epigraph for their novel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> for their, their not quite tell-all tell-all. <laughs> but, okay, but hashtag real talk. Why didn't he just write a tell-all book? Like his NDA is clearly up. Why didn't yeah. he just do – he probably could have actually gotten a book deal and a ghostwriter and a good amount of money for like an actual tell-all memoir. I mean, why did Tara write Madeline? Some people just need to create. <laughs> the muse, you can't, what did she say? The muse is a faucet you can't turn off. Exactly. Exactly. Um, speaking of a faucet you can't turn off, it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will give his opinions about the book. Yeah, Duarte, you're right. We didn't spend enough time talking about when they posed with the cheetah um, in their modeling shoot. And I, I don't know if the cheetah got paid and I hope the cheetah did get paid because the cheetah is doing important work and, and we should value that. I also uh, respect your point about uh, there was a very nonsensical metaphor in the book that I, that I also marked in my copy where Mason is unfavorably described as licking his face like a cat while eating, while dipping his, his, french fries in vinegar and eating them and i also thought that was very offensive to cats and also thought it didn't actually make any sense yeah, yeah sorry sorry i had to deal with this one duarte yeah but th- thanks for making it through there is both cat phobia and fat phobia in this book <laughs> yes um do okay well i know that we all have closing thoughts and i think we're gonna work on figuring out how to share them further so let's just move on to our social media hype corner um, so we're on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestseller Spell Normally. Um, our Twitter is at Worst Bestseller with no S um, because that's the subtle name change that we were given by Jay Manuel. It's your rebranding. Yes. Um, and we have a Goodreads group that you can find best by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the Goodreads link. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, all of the places where there are podcasts, you know what they are. Um, you can also, uh, when you if you do subscribe to us, take a moment to rate and review. Uh, if you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review, we're going to let Jay Manuel, Manuel talk tell a tell-all novel write a tell-all fictional satire novel about you i really oh. stepped in that joke so i'm just gonna move on <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you can subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation uh, it goes to us to do things like pay our editor and keep our website online and pay a transcriptionist uh, and in return you get perks like stickers and a newsletter and all sorts of other things um, you can also go to our site at worstbestsellers.com and click on merch, where you can find all sorts of podcast things that you can wear on your body. Uh, you can also go to worstbestsellers.com and join our Discord group, where mostly um, we talk about books and Animal Crossing, but mm-hmm. it's a good time and you should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, if you want to follow me personally on Twitter, I'm at Renata Snacks. If you want to follow me personally on Twitter, I'm at 14 Across. And I'm not on Twitter, uh, but you can follow me on Instagram at the Mackenzie Lee, which is T H E M A C K E N Z I L E E. 
And you can and should read all of uh, Mackenzie's books, such as Gentleman's Guide to... Is it Vice and Virtue? It is Vice and Virtue. Sorry. I Whenever there's too many words in a title... Not too many. When there's more than like two words in a title, I can't remember what order they go in. Don't worry. Uh, I've, I've heard it all. Uh, Loki, uh, the, the Gamora and Nebula book that I'm very excited to read. Uh... Yeah, just, you know, buy them in bulk. Just, you don't even have yeah, to just, read them. Just purchase them. Just throw them yeah, away after that. I don't we'll, care. Yeah, we'll link to them. I mean, you probably have already read them. But if you haven't, go do it. Yes. Um, co-signed. Um, finally, we – I should have written that list out. I'm sorry, Mackenzie. That's okay. I, I was, was going to say I'm pretty, like – I'm pretty kind of shy about hyping up my own work, which is bad and I should be better. But I feel like for the first time I can confidently say – you will like it better than you liked the wig, the bitch, and the meltdown. Absolutely. <laughs> like, oh my god! I think oh my this god! This is the first all... time I've ever been able to definitively state, like, yes, my book is better. <laughs> my books are better than this. Yes. Um, we'll be back in two weeks because unfortunately we can't just take time to reread Mackenzie's books. We have to go and read The Awakening, aka The Vampire Diaries Number One by L.J. Smith. And we will see you then. Yes. Um, thanks again, Mackenzie. Bye. Thanks for Bye. having me. Bye.